VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Hope everyone is doing okay. Welcome to the pod. Things have not necessarily calmed down in America over the last uh, week. Still uh, social justice issues, protests, still a coronavirus. I think I saw something about a meteor coming to Earth, but maybe it was going to miss. It's going to miss, I think. Even the meteors don't want to come here right now. Things like, <laughs> hell no, I'll go hit Mars or something. I don't know. Probably not how that works, but I'd like to think that's how it works. If you're a, a meteor, meteor, you got a choice of vacations in our solar system. Yes. You're probably not choosing right. Earth for your summer vacation. You're like, yeah, this yeah. guy's got enough problems down there, man. The meteor is like, we got to go to Sheboygan to go to a bar? Forget it. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm out. <laughs> Bars in Detroit, Michigan are now open. Pretty exciting. Oh. Lucky. That's why I got to get this pod done. I got things to do. <laughs> yeah. Very busy afternoon of work. We can eat and drink outdoors in Massachusetts now. Phase two starts today. Phase two. Good there job. Go. Yep. We're in phase four or five. I don't know. I never really paid attention. I, this was really the milestone I've been waiting for. The rest of them yeah. was kind of <laughs> whatever. <laughs> when, when can I go get that Guinness? Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to we're going to take care of that uh, quickly. So let's uh, let, you know, you know how you can listen to podcasts like one point five speed or two. Let's just yeah, let's bang this out in about 18 minutes. Yeah. I'm sure it. our podcast just sounds like a bunch of cackles if you listen to it at one point five speed. <laughs> yeah, it's a probably, bunch of overt laughter. Probably not good. Um, anyway, you know, again, with this with the protests and the and the situation we're in, it, it's it's a different it's a different deal this time. Um We've been saying that from the start. The protests are more widespread. The 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 protesters are way way more diverse. Uh, there are protests in every suburb and small town, practically of America, places that you would never have thought there would be a Black Lives Matter protest. There is. Can't drive around without seeing someone holding the sign. It's it's a different day. We talked briefly last week about Drew Brees basically saying the exact same thing in 2020 that he said in 2016 and 2017, and then immediately changing his mind after a bunch of backlash. You know, people are like, ah, Brees caved. Brees is a is a wimp, all these things. I don't know. Maybe he just listened and has a different perspective. I mean, I don't want to, I don't think it's really fair to just say Drew Brees is a coward or something like that who couldn't stand up for his convictions. Maybe he changed his mind. By Friday night, he was literally lecturing the president of the United States about this, who was ripping him for changing opinion or, or maybe not ripping, but disapproving that that he should say and he shouldn't have apologized. He shouldn't have changed his mind. But anyway, that's where we're at. Things are moving quickly. And in college football, that includes a lot of players feeling the right to to speak up. And nowhere has that been more prevalent than one of our old favorite states, Iowa. I Iowa, again, disproportionately back in the news, and not just because they like Bush Light so much. <laughs> the focus seems to be on a longtime Iowa strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle, who may or may not be the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the country. He's earning about 800 grand a year as a strength and conditioning coach. Not bad. Uh, not bad. Uh, and obviously, he's had a lot of success there, but um, it started slowly and built up on social media with a number of former Hawkeye football players speaking about negative experiences they had while playing uh, for Iowa and, and specifically in the weight room. Uh, it was not limited to African-American players, although that certainly was part of it certainly taking a big issue. Kirk Ferentz is saying, now I'm hearing about this. I want to change. 
there's not a lot of pushback from that. Iowa football is like, you know, just one of those programs that just sort of you don't really hear anything about. Like they're nice. They go eight and four. Every once in a while they go ten and two. They wave to the kids in the cancer ward and and you don't hear much. Well, there was a lot going on. Doyle, just to give you the update on the story, has responded saying, I've been asked to remain silent, which I thought was interesting, but it is impossible for me to do so. There have been statements made about my behavior that are not true. I do not claim to be perfect. I have made mistakes, learned lessons, and like every American citizen can do better. At no time I've ever crossed the line of unethical behavior or bias based upon race. I do not make racist comments. I do not tolerate people who do. Uh, he says he's confident that his body of work will speak for itself. We will see. Thoughts on this issue? I'm, I, you know, I don't know how we really, I'm not sure where the place to litigate, whether Chris Doyle is a good person or a bad person. There's a lot of different stuff. Maybe you've seen more than I have, Pat. But certainly this is a sign of how quickly things can snowball with the modern era and social media giving everybody a voice. They're not just all calling uh, some reporter at the at the Iowa City newspaper or the Cedar Rapids Gazette trying to get a story printed about this. Uh, they can just speak out whatever they want to say directly, and so it's pretty interesting. Oh, no, it's, it's very interesting. And this is one of those places, yeah, that has just been this absolute rock of consistency and pretty much non-controversial consistency uh, for two-plus decades with Kirk Ferentz. There was... With Chris Doyle, the strength coach, a rhabdomyolysis uh, outbreak in, I think it was maybe 2011, where they overworked players in the weight room and a bunch of them came down with, you know, quote unquote, rhabdo, as it's called, because their their uh, bodies were shutting down from excess uh, exertion. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, as you said, they they win anywhere from eight to ten games a lot and they, you know just kind of continue to roll along. And Kirk Ferentz has one of the best reputations of anybody in the business. But I think there comes a point where doing things the same way forever, which has kind of been the Iowa way, can come back from can go from being a strength to a weakness. And I think this might be one of those instances where that's the case. You know, this is a guy that's been an old school coach with old school ways, old school mentality that it trickles down to in terms of control to the fact that they had a very restrictive social media policy that apparently has very recently been changed. Uh, tweet from Adam Rittenberg, Iowa clarifies social media policy for players. Original agreement last week called for one pre-approved tweet per player. But now there are no restrictions on players in their Twitter participation. Well, welcome to the 21st century Iowa. It's nice that the players can tweet without pre-approval. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, that's what we're looking at here, though, is just this this old school idea of control and this idea that basically we're Iowa. We're going to do things the way we've always done things. And you look at Pat, this coach. Yes, I believe the tweets, too, are only allowed. They're only pre-approved if they're about corn. That was it. Just <laughs> yeah. very lame oh. Twitter for uh, Twitter game. <laughs> On the Hawkeyes, they just. But, <laughs> I, I would guess. But so. I did. I think you missed that little. Uh, I was looking that up. I think. I think I saw that. I don't know. Ah, very good. I, I, great. Great reporting work by you, Dan Wetzel. But trickling this down a little bit, and you see this with other programs. You saw it with Penn State. You see it with Duke to a degree where it's like the coach has been there so long that he just works everything around him to be comfortable and familiar. His coordinators have been there forever. His son is now one of the coordinators. The defensive coordinator's son is a fifth-year analyst on the staff. Most of their support staff are former players. And if you go through, it is about 90% white on the support staff. Uh, and so you, you just I think you just get this insular continuation of ideas and doing things, and nobody can tell Kirk Ferentz to change. Well, now the outside world's coming in in the form of former players telling them you got some problems and you need to address them and you need to change them. Yeah, I was uh, I was just looking up some of the state of Iowa's sort of tortured race history. And I always think of Steve King, the uh, congressman from Iowa, who just had a tortured history with race. And just looking at the the backdrop of that state and, and where and how this is playing out and, and why I'm happy this is this is in Iowa. This is Basically, I'm reading the, the Chris Doyle situation this way. This is a guy who pushed players to the absolute limit and developed players very well. 
and was one of the best of of what he does, right? He was he's an elite strength and conditioning coach. He was paid that way. He was a fulcrum of an Iowa program, like y'all said, that have, that have been very consistent. Okay, now in doing that, I mean, this is this is about power, and in doing that, he accumulated enough power where he felt like or was naive to the fact he was doing it. He basically was demeaning to the players and had no self-awareness and his motivational techniques were from generations ago. Not acceptable then and should not have happened then, but that that may have been how coaches spoke or or how they acted. And right now that's not how you can act. Like it, it's it's been it's been made very clear that stereotypes used as motivations, for example, which was uh, which was one of the things that players brought up in uh, in in this example, that that can't happen anymore. And uh, I was most disappointed in Chris Doyle in his statement because, first of all, when a statement starts, I shouldn't be talking, but I have to. It's probably not going to go well. <laughs> but then he basically called his accusers who are victims liars. Yeah. Um, and and it just was it just was like, how does a guy? do something so unself-aware and really just release a statement that's stupid. Like it, it was completely blockheaded everything, not everything that he said. He, he it, it was like, I'm going to be contrite and essentially apologize. Uh, you know, he used all the buzzwords, listen, learn, grow, et cetera. And it's time for action. And then he just completely got defensive and, and defended himself. I really think that Kirk Ferentz, from what I've seen publicly, has handled this about as well as you can. He basically said the players are going to dictate the change. And they put a former player in charge of essentially a task force, that's probably not the right word, but a committee to to lead the program forward. And I really thought that was the, everything Kirk Ferentz has said to me has been on point in all this. And he's accepted blame and has been open-minded in listening and letting the players dictate how the program should move forward. And that's that's how it has to go. And it, it heartened me to see Kirk Ferentz's comments. Some uh, Let me just play devil's advocate here. I mean, if you're Chris Doyle and you don't think what you're being, you didn't do what you're being accused of, what are you supposed to do? Now, you know, do I think this guy is your old school? <coughs> I, let me say this. I imagine he thinks of himself as this old school strength and conditioning coach. He's probably a terribly mean to everybody. Um, and then he doesn't necessarily always see it, but he doesn't see himself in this manner. Uh, you know, he's going to defend himself a little bit. I thought that the statement was weird because I don't know. I don't know if I can play devil's advocate here. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, he, he could have left it at, you know, I think it's fair if you're saying some of these statements I don't believe to be true from my perspective or something like that. I mean, you got you got to def defend itself maybe uh, a, a somewhat. But I, I don't know. I, I just I think that what used to pass for being allowed in in weight rooms probably is is outdated at this point. Uh, we've seen this in a lot of different coaching scenarios. We've seen, you know. Uh, the you know coaches uh, you know Rutgers and I mean different places coaches have been fired uh, for for being too much I've seen you know some of the Olympic sport coaches get in huge trouble for bashing people and you know these things sports teams used to be run like the military I think there was this military impact on on sports in America because they really got big after the war after World War II, and a lot of the coaches had been had fought or had been in the military, and so you you saw a military type uh, bit. We're going to break them down and build them back. They're all going to hate me more than they hate. It's, it's like boot camp, right? You see it all the way through the way the operations of like the New England Patriots run and things like that, which is a great you know United States Naval Academy impact on it. Bob Knight, you know, literally called the general, heralded for being called the general. There's no way he could coach that way these days. And so I think I don't know whether Chris Doyle is, you know, that he, he's got to come to a, a realization that however he, he used to do it uh, can't be done, can't be done that way anymore. And so uh, I thought his statement was a little much, but I do understand the need to just sit there and say, hey, I'm not just going to take this. But in his perspective, he wasn't he. he 
his his perspective, I imagine, is 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 different, and and that he's got to learn that his perspective isn't always the truth. I guess. Yeah, and that's. I mean, yes, you can defend yourself. It's better if you defend yourself well. I'm not sure he did that. Um, <laughs> you know. Like I said, uh, devil's advocate there. How's trying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good effort. Good job. Good effort. Uh, uh. But uh, no, I, this will be really interesting. To see, you know, I, I I agree with Pete that Kirk Ferentz has said the right things for sure. You know, he did a Zoom call on Sunday basically is open to hearing hearing the criticism and hopefully uh, changing or reacting to the criticism as needed. And uh, Mike Kloss wrote a very good column on that uh, in Iowa where he basically said, you know, Ferentz, it might be as much just inattention as anything. And I think this does go back to being very comfortable in your own cocoon that you don't have enough things jarring you out of that and paying attention to what's going on around you. Well, this... This is Jardim, and we'll see where Iowa goes with this going forward. I think it's like, how do we balance needing the benefits of that old school style? Right. In the modern era. Like that's, there's, there's something to be said about those old coaches. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to, you know, it's like, it was like with Knight, you don't need to be strangling your players, but you know, there's a lot of guys who swore by, boy, that, that, that made me into the person I am today. Uh, yeah. So it's how do we get to that that balance with these coaches? Because that's going to be a big a big challenge and one going forward. But I think in, in all of college football, the big issue is whatever you say or do can be shared in a big way really, really quickly. And yeah. so, like we said it last week, you better be coming right to your players uh, so that they understand what's going on. Well, I think it's in the delivery, Dan. Like. I'm looking through at some of the the accusations at Chris Doyle. This is from uh, this is from a former former Iowa player played there in the 2007-8 season. Doyle made a comment about sending back to the ghetto. I called him out on it in front of the entire team. I was suspended. Kirk Ferentz told me I was out of line and needed to apologize for standing up to myself. Now, again, I I would only assume that's true. Right. Like a a player can't make something like that up and say he did something from the entire team and it's not. And so what I think really needs to happen here is Chris Doyle needs to change his methods completely. And I I don't know. I don't see Chris Doyle coming back from this. I I just think there's 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 a preponderance of evidence that shows he did too many. he, He touched too many racial things that he can't and said too many things that you can't say. And really, like there's a decade's worth of scarred players. And I think the totality of that and the totality of the allegations, obviously, if they're true, I, I think we're going to end up seeing him removed here. That uh, I did see something from Ference, I believe it was Sunday, saying that he never heard the word ghetto used. Uh, so that was his somewhat refutation of that particular anecdote. But I agree, it's not the kind of thing you, you're likely to see somebody make up if they said it in front of the entire team, uh, you, you know. You'd be called out on it. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, These yeah. things are you getting yeah. fact-checked in real time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do think one but. other thing that we all see in these these places, and, you know, every coach out there saying, well, I promote a, a, a an atmosphere of uh, of respect, and, and um, it's a meritocracy in football and all the different things, and then they, they, all, they all have their son working for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's amazing. The only people who can be offensive coordinators happen to be kids as head coaches. Like, you know, and it's like that's how you get the leg up. You're the you're yeah. the kid. It's like what? There's not a single uh, African American high school coach in Chicago you could have brought in, let alone in Iowa or just mm-hmm. any old. Forget race. Just yeah. you know, like you don't get a chance because you didn't have. Now that's that's how the world's worked forever. But yeah. the number one way to look at it, I mean, you go. All the way up. It's it's kids, kids of coaches, yeah, coaches, kids. Absolutely. They they get yeah. in the family business. Well, if you're really trying to promote something in the family business, I think it's a great thing. If you're a coach, a successful coach, tell your son, okay, go start somewhere else. You know, go get five years under your belt somewhere else, and then prove yourself. And come if we back. Can bring you back. We can. Yeah, right. Ideally, never come back. But. Yeah. For Ryan sure. did start at the Patriots. He was a scouting intern grunt, and I think he made his way up to tight end coach. So, right not, because not Kirk Ferentz it, worked for Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, no, no doubt that was that was uh, clearly you know. nepotism. But yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's it's a big it, and it, that's how a lot of people get jobs. I'm not saying it's it you know it isn't, but 
that that is one place that college athletics can overnight change and start saying, why am I hiring this guy? Oh, my old boss gave, you know, or I I used to have this guy, like, how'd, how'd you find him? Maybe look a little harder for, for some new blood and then maybe get different perspective. And there's someone there to call out a strength coach who says, Hey, you can't talk that way or don't talk that way. Because the re- reality is, and one thing I read a bunch of those, uh, Iowa, this kids that quit, regret it. You know, it's not good for a team to be losing players or having kids uh, mentally check out or anything like that. Like you're, it, it takes a lot of time and money to bring in a player or the resources to recruit a player and to just spit them out because you have an insensitive strength and conditioning coach. That that can be changed. So I don't know that you're breaking them down so he doesn't lift them up. Uh, some of them just take off. So that is a pretty easy place, though. That I think everyone would agree. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that got in this thing because because they had connections. All right, I, I wanted to switch to college basketball. Last week, Friday, last Friday, Oklahoma State got hit by the NCAA. One year postseason ban, three years of probation, scholarship reductions, other recruiting restrictions, and that came because. Former associate head coach Lamont Evans admitted to accepting about 22000 in bribes to direct players to uh, South Carolina and Oklahoma State. And he got the, those bribes from basically from a federal sting operation working through Christian Dawkins. Uh, Marty Blazer actually, I think, worked a lot with Lamont Evans and, and the FBI was fired at, at Oklahoma State. And when you talked about the federal scandal, the investigation or whatever, you hear a lot about Louisville, you hear a lot about Kansas, you hear a lot about NC State, LSU, maybe Arizona, you hear a lot about Oklahoma State. Now, there was some damning testimony against them, but this was not front and center. So for the NCAA to come in and hit Oklahoma State for a one-year postseason ban after they had signed the number one player in the country, Cade Cunningham, I think it's significant because it, it it was a jolt to the system that for all the rip jobs that we have given the NCA and everyone has for not doing anything in this case, it looks like they are doing something on this case now. Uh, and if Oklahoma State gets a one year, buckle up Kansas, buckle up LSU, buckle up, I don't know, but this is... This was a significant penalty for what would be considered one of the lower level scandals to come out of the investigation. The best ally, Dan, for a for a program that's been cheating historically is time. Right. So all the people that thinks Oklahoma State got punished too harshly, if they actually got punished within eight months of this story breaking when it broke in 2017, September 2017. But you just, when time passes, one of their assistant coaches like just hellaciously broke NCA rules. Now I get that it wasn't to buy a player necessarily and I I get the program didn't technically benefit from it. But when you, basically that's saying, if you are caught in federal court with one of your assistant coaches taking bribes, by the way, an assistant coach who makes $600,000 a year, all right? So this guy was on that staff to get them players. That was his job. He was their associate head coach, but he was basically their ace recruiter that they overpaid because Brad Underwood left for Illinois and wanted to go with him. So this guy's job was to get players, and he got caught and pled guilty to a felony for bribery. All right, If you have an assistant coach that you're paying that much money, who's that big part of your staff, exhibiting that kind of behavior you are going to get punished. And to me, the most significant sort of inside baseball takeaway from the Oklahoma State thing was that they are not going to separate the corrupt coach with the program. You are a corrupt program because you hired a corrupt assistant coach. And if you didn't do anything, you didn't benefit from it, tough. And I think this is the type of stance that the collective college sports coaching industry was looking for. This was basically saying, give us some deterrent to cheat. Because you know what's happened since the scandal broke? Bill Self's made over $10 million. Sean Miller's made $10 million. Bruce Pearl's made somewhere in that neighborhood. There has been no deterrent to cheat. It's You can have coaches on your staff committing felonies, getting arrested, being tried in the Southern District of New York, 
And really, nothing can happen to your program. Your presidents, well, the presidents are the most feckless people in all this because they're, they're not firing anybody other than Louisville, which really had to. It wasn't just because of that one sequence with Rick Pitino and the, and the purchasing of Brian Bowen. Everyone has been apathetic all around college sports because for so long there wasn't enough punishment deterrent. Well, this is the start of the punishment deterrent. South Carolina has to all of a sudden be nervous because guess what Lamont Evans was doing at South Carolina? The same exact thing he was doing at Oklahoma State. Auburn should be real nervous because Chuck Person did four times as much um, in terms of taking bribes. It, it was over $90,000. Now, they had some punitive actions go towards their specific players, but Auburn's not getting out of this thing unscathed. USC, which was really a bit player in all this when, when it came down to it with Tony Bland, I, I have to think USC is going to get significant punishment too. There's a penalty matrix. matrix. It's uh, 19-1 on page 366 of the rule book. If you commit a level one standard violation, the precedent now, and it has been for the past few years since rules were changed and you know there was a call for increased punishments, are you are either going to get one or two-year postseason ban. All the other stuff, it matters, but it really doesn't matter. Postseason bans are the only punishment in the NCAA lexicon that really matters. And this was, this was a stand by the NCAA to say, we don't care about the current recruits. We don't care about the emotion tied to this. We care about the facts we found, and the facts we found are you had a corrupt assistant coach, and you're going to, your program is going to pay for it. Yeah, I think that there's no doubt that this, A, refuted the very cynical notion that's, that, was, that existed for two and a half solid years. Ah, the NCAA is not going to do anything. Nothing's going to happen. Well, something just happened. And... There's 11 other schools that are worried that something bigger or at least as big is going to happen to them as this thing winds its way through. We don't know. I would love to know what is in USC's notice of allegations because they just said that they got one. Would love to know what is in Auburn's that they won't even acknowledge exists. Would love to know what's in Creighton's. But we do know what is in North Carolina State's, Louisville's, Kansas's, South Carolina's. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. We don't TCU, I believe. Uh, if NC they've all, State. NC, oh, NC State, absolutely. If they've all been charged with a level one, and unless there are mitigated circumstances involved with that level one, guess what? You're banned for the postseason, at least one year. So that's if you lose, if you're you lose your case in NCAA court or the IARP, one of the two. But if if you are hit with a level one sanction, the allegation that is upheld as a sanction, you are going to be banned from the postseason for at least one year. And as I believe, I think I said it on this podcast, I know we discussed it a few weeks ago, Kansas could get three or four years. Louisville could get three or four years. You know, you get level one aggravating circumstances, you're talking darn near pave over the program. Yeah. And I think, Pat, you had said that uh, and I was skeptical because I have been skeptical. I've been skeptical. The NCAA, they've given me two and a half years to be skeptical. Right. Yeah. And there's certainly a spotty history of of that. And I kind of heard all along the the sort of, you know, the the rhetoric from Mark Emmert and John Duncan told us, uh, you know, similar, Pat, when we were back at uh, when you were back at Yahoo and we did that story that ran uh, at the Minneapolis Final Four. Mm -hmm. Um you know, basically, I'm going to paraphrase John Duncan, who's the NCAA enforcement uh, vice president. You know, basically, a culture had been created where coaches felt like if they were following rules, it was a deterrent to their program. They felt like they were being punished for following the rules. Could this reverse that? No, there's always going to be cheating. You, just college sports have been so historically corrupt. Cheating is not going to end. Could this moderately deter some behavior? You hope so. But the, the, this is this is the first sign of the NCA saying you are not going to walk all over us and mock us. And let's face it, LSU is mocking the NCA right now by not firing Will Wade. And Arizona is mocking the NCA. The presidents, it's not even the ADs, it's the presidents. Kansas is yeah. not only mocking the NCA, but it's standing, as we said, mooning and double birding the NCAA. It's just facing uh, facing east from Lawrence. So it's 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 a fascinating standoff. And so far, Kansas and Arizona have won because they've had great teams and, you know, would have been, you know, uh, in the tournament this year in terms of uh, in terms of Kansas would have been the favorite to win the title probably. So, like, they have gotten the short-term benefit from it. And the, but the long-term boom is on the horizon now. I got to say, Pat, I was uh, highly skeptical of the three, four-year postseason ban call on 
Kansas. That thing comes through. It's one of the, um, I don't want to use the word great, but one of the all-time call your shots. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. holy, what? Um, <laughs> but I agree. You're like the, the Joe Namath of NCAA pronunciation. The Babe Ruth Paul <laughs> pointed it out. Kansas is going to sit for four years. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't think so still, but you're getting a little, uh, the meter's starting to tick in your direction a little bit. So, uh, you know, I mean, one of the funny things about the Oklahoma State case, and I think it was just a lack of like anybody even cared, but it was when Brian Bowen Sr. said that the offer per Christian Dawkins of that Oklahoma State was offering to sign his son was 150 grand, like eight grand for a car and a house. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff. Now you can say, well, Bowen Sr.'s lying. Why? Yeah, he, Dawkins right. was lying. Why? If Dawkins yeah. says this is the offer and you go to you, you, you're, you're in Stillwater, where's my money? Right. I mean, like Dawkins is trying to sign Brian Bowen's son. He's not trying to anger him with a trick mm. to send him to Stillwater. <laughs> he, Dawkins didn't want him going to Stillwater. <laughs> he wanted him going to Louisville because, you know, but. I mean, that sounded it sounded absurd, but again, it was like, yeah, hundred like how what kind of house you need in Stillwater? How many houses? <laughs> Someone get on Zillow. What is a house in Stillwater worth? <laughs> I've been That's there. Like, I mean, I, I like mean, it, but you know, one hundred fifty grand and a house there and I a mean, car. You could live, yeah, you could live on one hundred and fifty grand there for like a decade. I think you don't you don't have to report the 150. This is not uh, above the table. So, yeah, there was a lot there. So I don't know. They just come in and hit them. Uh, I think they need to run more money through that state. Right. Didn't we hear that? Yeah, they run. (laughs) Coach, (laughs) go pokes. Someone wants to give me 150 grand, 8000 in a house. I'll stop saying mean things about you guys. I, th- I was I was I was going all in with Coach Gundy lately. I can be bought off. I'm just dying for the offer. Anyway, <laughs> call Christian Dawkins. He can be my middleman. Just run it through CD. He needs a little work. Put in a little honest hustle. All right. But, you know, I, I do think this is the NCAA. Like, listen, we had to sit on our hands for three years. We got bashed by everyone. Well, here we come. And it, it, that was a, a nerve wracker. Now, let me say this, too. You talked about time, Pete, and one of the all-time great, this isn't fair, the mean NCA is you're punishing players who weren't there. Gee, haven't heard that before. They say that if it happens one minute after, like, the, you know, the day after the, the, the penalty. Well, that guy's gone. What are we punishing me for? This is the statement that they, they seem to be making, and I am 100% for this. You know all these schools that are under probation, that are under investigation. S- sign at your own peril. The, people, These kids keep going to the same schools, even though you know. If you want to sign with Kansas or any, any of these schools, I don't want to pick one school. I think I'm trying to shape recruiting. I don't care. <laughs> A very good chance you're not playing any NCAA basketball tournaments. Yeah. Okay, like that. And you should be if let me put it this way, if you're going to sit there and go, hey, I'm going to get a uh, I'm going to buy a car here. I'm going to go buy a used car. And they go, oh, that dealership is under, you know, FBI investigation for selling lemons to people. Yeah, I'm going to sign it. any. I'm going to buy that car anyway. I mean, what? Like you don't if you're fine, you're about to go to a financial service provider, a bank. You don't deal with those people. Well, this should be the warning. I don't care. They're not punishing innocent people. You signed with yeah. that school. And that school got the benefit of winning games while, now not necessarily in Oklahoma State's case because the whole thing blew up. But why do you want to go to Kansas? Winning tradition. Well, they why'd they win? Yeah. TJ Gasnola. Well, now TJ, what, 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 what? It's, all, it's just a whiny victim mentality. You can yeah. sign with whatever school you want. But those are the deals. Everyone knows who is it. And so if you're going to be mad that some guy you never met at a time you weren't there is going to affect your season, I do feel bad for the Oklahoma State players, but you signed with Oklahoma State. That was the risk you were taking. And so yeah. one year you're not going to be able to play in the NCAA basketball tournament. If you love the place enough, you, you wait it out, you red shirt, you do whatever, but I don't like that. I, I saw Jay Billis whine about that. I just disagree. I just, I just no. disagree on it. 
That is, that's that's way too much of a simplistic dodge of an argument. You're right. And the, here's the thing. October 4th, 2018, that's the date that Brian Bowen Sr. said on the stand, Oklahoma State was offering 150 grand plus help buying a car and a home. Right then and there, if you are paying any attention at all, you know Oklahoma State is facing some stuff. Now, you know, it took a while for that stuff to materialize. Cade Cunningham signed in November 2019. The notice of allegations, I believe, was delivered later that month or in December. Uh, but still, he, if Cade Cunningham or any other recruit did his homework, which should, if you are a high-level guy, include a call to the NCAA to say, these are the schools I have on my list. Is there a problem? They would, they would take Cade Cunningham's call in enforcement. And they would give him at least somewhat of an honest answer as much as they could. So you, 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 they, that is not doing your own homework or just blowing off any of the signs that are in front of you or listening to people at Oklahoma State that are telling you it's nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Let me take it one step further. They arrested Lamont Evans in September yeah. of 2017. True. It's True. three full recruiting classes since this guy got arrested all, by the FBI. And if you read the notice of facts, they call it, I think, or whatever, the arresting statements, the, the stuff that the FBI put out that is publicly yep. available on their website that they were putting out, there's a section about Oklahoma State in it. Yeah, yeah. So, again, you don't know what it's going to come up to, but if you're going to sit there and buy a car and the car dealer is in the newspaper under FBI investigation, I mean, this is three years. So maybe there's a senior on the team. Okay, Feel bad for that guy, but you had three straight recruiting classes. Time actually should be less of a factor uh, as it goes on. These kids willingly went to Oklahoma State. There's a lot of great reasons to play for Oklahoma State. It's a tremendous basketball program, Gallagher, Iowa, all those things. They chose to go there. Good. Maybe the only person who ever got a house, 150 grand and 8,000, was Brian Bowen. <laughs> yes. He's the only paid player in the history of college history basketball. of Oklahoma State basketball. <laughs> yep. The only guy ever offered a dollar just happened <laughs> yeah. to be Brian Bowen Jr., a, a top 30 recruit from Saginaw, Michigan. Everyone else was totally clean. Nothing, not, not a <laughs> penny was given or ever offered. But mm -hmm. you had a lot of time to make if you don't do your research. I'm sorry. This was this was the this was not like the I I heard that maybe some this was that FBI kicking down doors. I don't think a lot of people did their homework because let's look at the rivals.com top 10 recruiting rankings. Which implicated FBI programs are there? There's Oklahoma State, number four overall. Not a normal place for Oklahoma State to be, but that's mostly because of Cade Cunningham. But they also got four other players who they probably recruited around. Look who's number six, LSU. Mm. Look who's number seven. Auburn. Look who's number eight, Arizona. Arizona's bringing in seven players. I think, I believe six of those players are foreign from five different countries. As I joked with Pat on text messages, I don't think notice of allegations translates to the Lithuanian because I don't think there's just a, the, the long-term prospect of these guys playing four years and being able to go to the tournament every year at those programs should at least be in question. That was a good and, line. Good line. And perhaps... Perhaps, like, the coaches should be a little bit more upfront too now, about what it's going to be. I, I'm curious how much of this is lack of research on the prospect side of it or lack of being upfront, cockiness, or, or whatever is on the coach side of it. Because you've got to sell, and now there's a lot more openness for honesty. Like, I think of Bryce Thompson is the really good player from the state of Oklahoma who's headed to uh, who's headed to Kansas in this in this next recruiting class. You know, he's a typical Kansas top 25 national recruit, you know, probably a one and done. Maybe they just think they can get under the wire. Look, I would have thought Nico Mannion was nuts for going to Arizona, but nothing ever happened. He just went there for a year and played. And they were relying on the NCAA to be slow, which they were. They've been relying on the NCAA to be impotent, which it appears they won't be. Here's the thing, uh, though, on top of what you said, lack of research on the player's part or being snowed, so to speak, by the school. There's a precedent out there. The Hugh Freeze precedent. Don't lie to your players about what's coming. That's something that it's these schools could be on the hook for, for an immediate transfer that certainly worked for seven Ole Miss football players when Ole Miss tried to tell them, there's nothing in that notice of allegations that's going to affect you. Be careful what you're telling them, coaches. Hugh Freeze would never lie or mislead, Pat. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the great dental chair coach of our time. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> this coronavirus, you'll never get it if you come back to our campus during a pandemic. <laughs> they definitely do their research when it's who's paying my car note. That seems like a lot of recruits. <laughs> they get right on top of that. So That's right. Anyway, here comes the NCA. They're going to make their last stand here. And uh, they got a lot more power than you think, and they seem very, very motivated. So I would be worried. I would be worried. It could be a very – the bubble is going to be ugly in March if all these schools end up getting <laughs> banned. Yeah. I mean, you could, <laughs> the old joke when this whole thing blew up, we're going to have five Ivy League teams in the tournament. And we got ripped for that. I was, I remember what yeah. I said. If they really started flipping dudes and went after you. Could yeah. get like 20, 30, 40 programs. I mean, come on. Yeah, sure. They may end up with 12 or 15 without even trying. Uh, it would be crazy, though, if there's like seven or eight teams banned by March. Yeah. yeah. We'll see if they can get enough cases done in time. Yeah. The 2022 tournament may be the one that's hit harder. But for now, Oklahoma could, State, we'll see some who joins appeals. Well, they'll, they're going to appeal, yeah. I'm sure. This has been the first real ruling that will be a deterrent and a factor in recruiting if right. people are oh, being yeah. honest and people yep. are doing the research. Yeah, that's I was on Louisville radio this morning, and that, that was the question. Is like, how's Louisville going to pitch to anybody that they're going to be okay after Oklahoma State gets hit? It's like, eh, they're not. If they are, they're, they're fibbing. Yeah, you'd be insane to go to Louisville right now if you mm. are a player who wants to play in the NCAA tournament for four years. And I'm not picking on Louisville because no. you fill in the blank for yeah. all of them. High yeah. risk. Kansas, high risk. Arizona, high risk. NC State, high risk. Um, what did you think, uh, last last thought on this, Dan, of there was nothing about head coach responsibility in this one, and maybe because it was rogue or anything like that, but that 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 just sort of stuck in the back of my mind on, on this one, Pat. What was your what was your read on that and you two? Yeah, that's that was uh notably missing. Um and kind of runs counter to the 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 general thought has always been if your assistant gets busted, you're in trouble too. Uh whether it's the fact that this was something that was not to the benefit of the program per se or what, I don't know, but that would seem to be the mitigating factor uh there. Brad Underwood just sort of skates off to champagne. Yeah, he sure does. Worked out for him. Worked mm -hmm. out for him. That was a little bit. So maybe that bodes well for for Bill Self or something. I don't know. But the self, self is charged. Though, self is charged. So yeah, like he was the, directly the, dealing with the guys. Not, correct. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. more question USC, is, yeah. South Carolina, Auburn are yeah, more exactly. in line. Maybe Creighton a little bit too. Right. Um, we're more in line yeah. with mm -hmm. uh, with with this. I got a good old fashioned treasure hunt. <laughs> Talk about yeah. your strong ass offer. <laughs> an antiques collector named Forrest Fenn. He's an 89 year old millionaire in New Mexico. How about that? Makes millions in, in collecting antiques. So, this guy, 10 years ago, for just for the fun of it, takes $1 million and puts it in a chest, in a bronze chest, hides it under somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. He says it was under a canopy of stars in the lush, forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains. Wrote a poem and basically incited a treasure hunt. There was a 24-line poem in his autobiography that led the called The Thrill of the Chase that led the man to the exact spot. It took 10 years. Many, many people took up on this treasure hunt, lost tons of money trying to find the treasure until uh, a guy uh, finally found it. Now, Mr. Fenn is not does not know the exact identity of the guy who found it. He just knows it's been found. I don't know. I feel kind of halfway it's a glad. Tax halfway dodge. <laughs> it might, yeah, probably. That guy's not coming out. He's got his bunch of things. Uh, it was a 20-pound chest with pre-Columbian animal figures, prehistoric hammered gold mirrors, and ancient Chinese faces carved from jade. The treasure hunt. I did not know these things still happened. <laughs> So Pat, would Nicholas you have Cage gotten movie? involved in this? No, I wouldn't have gotten involved, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, it's like tempting to think, I, I, you know, it kind of sparks your imagination. Well, I could find it. Sure, I could. Sure, I could find it. And then, I mean, I saw something. I can't, I don't know whether it's true, but something that referred to like four people who had died trying to find this treasure. I don't know whether that's accurate or not. It certainly seems like a stretch. I would, I, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun if I had just like, Three weeks in the summer to waste traipsing around the Rocky Mountains in New Mexico trying to find uh, this dude's treasure. <laughs> I mean, I guess in an ideal world, he instead of burying a million dollars worth of stuff, he could give it to charity. But, you know, hey, what, the world needs a little bit of buried treasure in it.
right? So I, I have a little bit on the Sierra debt. Nevada in the treasure pat. Would then that I, have then your... I'd quit my job and go find. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yeah. A guy from uh, Illinois. Fact, I'd get off this podcast. I'd be done. <laughs> a guy from Illinois. So that's fell. all it would take, huh? <laughs> like two cases, we could do yeah. that. We can deliver the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> you just go look for it. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, there you go. Pat, Pat will is the drop bush his light life. still in your fridge? By the way, what's that? The bush light is it still uh, in your fridge? Some of it's still there. My son siphoned off a little bit of it. Ah, how about yeah. that? Finally, a forty with some taste. Good man. <laughs> Good man. Yeah. Last summer, a fifty-three-year-old. Well, this is two thousand eighteen. A guy from Illinois fell five hundred feet from the turkey pen peak of Yellowstone National Park. He was searching for it. Jeez. Four people have died. Yes. Uh, Another one. Like after the third person died, wouldn't you just be like, all right, I'm going to dig it up and hide it somewhere safer. (laughs) Another one, uh, a woman whose husband died searching for the treasure in January 2016 said the hunt was ludicrous and should be stopped. Hmm. A 52-year-old named Paris Walton also died. Treasure chest is not underwater, nor is it under the Rio Grande, near the Rio Grande. Fen okay. wrote, so he's trying. It is not necessary to move large rocks or to climb up or down a steep precipice. It is not under a man-made object. So he was trying to uh, to to cool the jets a little bit of some of these people. Yeah, well, he's, uh, yeah, that dude's like in his eighties. He ain't moving that treasure or anything himself. So oh, I would it, I would feel pretty good about myself if I was the guy that found it. You know, so yeah, supposedly he found it and like took pictures of the contents and sent them to the forest fen. And the guy's like, yeah, that's my stuff. All right. Here's the poem. As I have gone alone in there and with my treasure bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of brown from there it's no place for the meek the end is ever drawing nigh there'll be no paddle up your creek just heavy loads and water high if you've been wise and found the blaze look quickly down your quest to cease but tarry scant with marvel gaze just take the chest and go in peace so why is it i must go and leave my trove for all to seek the answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. This was the poem. Okay. And I know I, exactly where it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's in the... Uh, Pat, if you'd only yeah. gotten this poem sooner. I know. If I, if I, only I knew about it. Yeah. I took you as a poetry buff, too. <laughs> Black Canyon of the Gunnison River in uh, in Western Colorado. That's got to be it. Done deal. Well, we'll find out go. when this guy eventually tells, eventually divulges where he found it. I'm taking the first... book on that. Book it. Kansas, four years. Black Canyon, Gunnison River. This podcast, I'm calling all shots. You are a son of the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> Pat, that's the first poem Pat's heard that doesn't rhyme with the word Nantucket in it. <laughs> 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 no comment. Uh, all right. I got another story here. We talked recently about um, these fake story. People just make up ridiculous stories and somehow mm-hmm. they get reported as true. Like the guy who fought seven people at se- fought the cook at Waffle House seven times because <laughs> yeah. he'd order eggs and the guy he'd want like eggs over easy and you get like a hard boiled egg instead. So they'd fight like dumbest story ever. <laughs> Dumb story. A lot of dumb stories out there. Well, I, this one may be, uh, we may be taking the cake here because I, I don't believe the story for a second. But who am I to um, dispute the reporting of the Independent, which I think is okay. in England? Nope. All right. Ready for this one? The Lay thought of a delivery driver dropping off a stack of pizzas unexpectedly may sound like a dream come true to many. But not for John Van Langenham who shakes with fear every time he hears a scooter outside his home in the Belgian city of Turnhout. 
The 65-year-old says he has been plagued by delivery drivers turning up at his doorstep with pizza he hasn't ordered at all day, at all hours of the day and night for almost a decade. For a decade. <laughs> at first, he put it down as a mix-up with the delivery address, but the orders, which reportedly include other fast foods such as kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good kebab. A good kebab, man. I mean, it goes <laughs> a long way. I don't know if I'd be upset at that one. Kept turning no. up sometimes several times a day. Mr. Van Langenheim's, quote, pizza terror, end quote, came to our end in January terror. last year. Ten separate delivery drivers turned up on the same day, including one with 14 pizzas. I cannot sleep anymore. I start shaking every time I hear a scooter on the street. I dread oh, that someone will come and drop off hot pizzas yet another time. <laughs> but he doesn't have to pay for them. <sighs> That's an expensive ruse. He says yeah. the incidents, according to the Independent, the incidents have been reported to the police, along with there's two other victims believe it must be someone they both know. For a decade. That's a long prank. It's a very extended prank. Yeah. Inexpensive. <laughs> Yeah. If someone would like to prank me by sending me pizzas yeah. for yeah, free, you take it, right? And delicious kebabs. Oh. <laughs> if it's lamb kebabs, I'm definitely. Uh, oh. That's are we talking? This is in England, right? I, Belgium, I would, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium. Okay, all right, all right. Feel free to well, prank me. Reminiscent, the uh, basketball fan group at Missouri was called the Antlers. Uh, this you know student really rowdy. I mean, they got on the opposing team really bad. They were vicious and. Uh, they were especially, they were very uncharitable to Jeff Hornacek when he was a player at Iowa State. Hornacek did not have a great complexion, and they would chant pizza face at him uh, when they came to Columbia. And his senior year, they call up the team hotel where Iowa State's staying, and they're like, hey, you've been a good sport about it. You know, we'd like to make it up to you. You know, we're going we're gonna to send a pizza to the hotel for you. Hornacek goes down to the lobby and waits, and of course, there is no pizza from the Antlers. <laughs> But they did show up to make fun of him there for waiting for the pizza. So there's your there's your non-pizza delivery prank. It's, Man. it's junior high day on the Yahoo Sports College <laughs> podcast. You get a treasure hunt. You get zit jokes. And you get prank phone calls. I think that would be called like look shaming now. Yeah. The antlers, with me. The antlers would, need to. Yeah. They need to clean up their act. They're looking at Hornacek didn't kick their ass. Well, he did on the court. I mean, well, he was he's really in good. person. Who the hell are the antlers? I mean, Jeff. You, you might not think Jeff Hornacek's like the toughest NBA guy you've ever seen. He's still what, like six foot four or something, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And athletic, and I'm professional sure he athlete. Yeah. yeah, he could have beaten the ass of the antlers. Just smack sure. the bunch of J school around. dorks. Go make me a pizza. <laughs> I was not involved in this at all, in any way. <laughs> sure. See, this is this is why I never thought much of Missouri because this is what passed for fun <laughs> at the University of Missouri is making up fake pizza orders for Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> Then I find out about the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> what were these idiots doing with this? They should have gone to the Lake of the. They should have gone to Gator Jake's. <laughs> Has there been a follow up? Have we learned how much Corona spread through? You know, speaking of the Lake of the Ozarks, I did find out this is the one uh, part of our ongoing saga about the greatness of the Memorial Day party at uh, Lake of the Ozarks. It's either one of the all time great parties and day drinking experiences or murdered like a million people. We don't know yet. We're still waiting, but uh, it's looking good. But the the Shady Gators, Shady Gators at Lake of the Ozarks is having its Bar Olympics coming up. Bar Olympics. And uh, this being a sports podcast with a bunch of drunks, uh, I thought this might be just, just perfect for us. They are not revealing, as best I can tell, the exact, the exact events. It's not like the decathlon at the Olympics where you know. So maybe you can't so you perfectly can't, you train. Can't train. We, we do a little research here, unlike Oklahoma State signees, and we find out past events. So this is actually a little weirder than I thought. Yeah. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Okay. okay. I didn't think dodgeball was a bar Olympic. Photo yeah. hunt. Okay. I don't know what that oh, that's entails. the game you play at the bar. Oh, you do? Photo you hunt? You know when you sit down at the bar, they have those like those games on the, on the yeah. bar? Right. Like photo hunt. You pick out the photo. Oh, all right, that sounds right. more okay. like it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. They're kind of lame, but. Yeah. Okay. It gets a little better. Flippy cup. That's okay. so, you know, fun in Missouri. Just, uh, yeah. This is starting to. My, my, I'm like, the, the, my thoughts on Missouri are just all over. <laughs> it's just starting to fall apart. 
Missouri's thoughts on you are very consistent, consistently negative. But, I mean, I started really getting excited about this Shady Gators place. But, all right, Flippy Cup, okay. Beer Pong, of course. I mean, that's just that's like the mile run. I mean, you just got to have it. Yeah, you got to have it. (laughs) You just got to have it. That's just Beer Pong. Battle Shots. Does that involve shots of alcohol, or what is that? I don't know. Sully looks like the kind of guy who might know what battle shots is. Actually, no, no battle shots on this end. No, okay. Shots, shots. More shots, research shots. for next week or later Wait, this week. I, our second pod. You, I happen to have a, uh, a, a ability to. Uh, it's called an internet search engine, and it uh, mm. comes up with this battle shots. Please expound. Okay. Oh, this is pretty good. Battle shots is like the old game battleship. Battleships okay. is a popular drinking game based on the board game that many of us played as children. Battleships, similar to beer pong. Battleships involves setting up shot glasses around a grid. If your opponent guesses their whereabouts correctly, you have to drink. These penalties can get you drunk pretty quickly. Brilliant. Brilliant. A coin flip like is it. done to see which player you goes. my Jägermeister. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Set up. Sit opposite your opponent with a sturdy table in between. Assemble your battle shots boards with each player having his own board facing him. If you have a store-bought version of the game, remember to attach the privacy shield. This is a lot of work. Battle <laughs> shot boards are typically labeled with coordinates. It's basically going to be like A4. Next, you'll want to arrange your shot glasses to resemble the boats used in the classic battleship game. So there's like, you know, it's always hard to find like the submarine only at two. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you got a bunch of shots there. I mean, you got a two, a three, a four, a five, and a six size. Mm. Or maybe Holy two. F- moly. Oh, boy. Six shots is a lot of shots for the length of one board game. Well, the That's aircraft like- carrier, I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sink the aircraft carrier and you are done. Okay. E- uh, coin flip is done. Player begins by calling out the coordinates. For example, if they call out A5, each time you call it a guess, mark your coordinates. Make an X if you hit on your target or O if you miss. If you hit a ship on the other opponent's board, they must drink the shot of the designated hit. Get, get if this, the goal man. is to oh, sink boy. all of your opponent's ships, this requires the loser to have consumed all of the alcohol and all of the shot glasses on his or her board. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I'm looking <laughs> at this board. That's 5, 10. Uh, that's 19 shots. Oh, my god! Wait, 19 or 18 shots? You're killing people. 18 or you're, shots. You're be pouring small shots. I take back. I drank 18 shots on my 21st birthday. It didn't go well. <laughs> I take back. See, this is my thing with the Missouri. They just throw you curveballs. <laughs> they set you up with something lame like, hey, let's do a picture hunt. <laughs> and then they, they come in hard at the end with an 18-shot <laughs> battleship game. <laughs> Get this, man. You can buy like a battleship board shot, battle shot board game for as little as $13 from Target. Or as much as two hundred and fifty dollars from Uncommon Goods. Neiman Marcus has one. Uh, someone other BarSupplies.com has one for seventy five bucks. Like we somehow have missed this craze, guys. Doesn't I had sound no like idea. a Neiman Marcus kind of game. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does I don't not. think you want. You want a good sub. You want a. You want something you can wipe off the puke. You want to be able to like get that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so is how lame we are. They were playing battle shots on Jimmy Kimmel in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, so that Neiman Marcus went cashmere? Like, why would it cost $250? It's Neiman Marcus last call. And that's you got battle shots drinking game for $18. Uh, this is a, just a total this is just a total disaster. <laughs> yeah, I would say I like it. I mean, no one's coming out alive, even if you win. <laughs> yeah. Even if you take some hits, man, you are mm. 18 shots. What does it take to play a game of battleship? Like 20 minutes? I mean, uh, yeah, roughly. These yeah, cannot be regulation shots. They can't be. Can't. Although, if it's the Olympics, you got to step it up. <laughs> you got to. St- <laughs> Don't join. That's right. The elite, right. you know, the elite make the Olympics. So there's more awesome- people died from Corona or battle shots. Yeah, the Ozark. This- if we if we figured that out, I can see why oh. they don't care about Corona. <laughs> uh, well. Get after it, Shady Gators. If anyone is at the Bar Olympics or you know anyone from Shady Gators, please send us some updates, please. Yeah. 
We want to know how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. We need all the intel from the from the Bar Olympics for next show. Clearly, we're a generation behind in our drinking games. I know. Yeah, we, I feel bad. We we're just going to play quarters and call you later. <laughs> Mad <laughs> respect for the younger generation. They they stepped up the drinking games. That's just coma inducing. So, <laughs> all right. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but please let us know. I wouldn't recommend searching for a million dollar uh, treasure either, but they did it. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with more college sports and uh, antics. Please subscribe. Talk to you later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.